for Children's Church. As I sat there and just thought about everything that's happened over the last few days and kind of where we've been, you ever have those moments where you kind of check in and think, well, I'm sitting here right now. I can't believe I've made it to this point. You think about everything that's been involved in us doing what we do on a day-in and day-out basis. Uh, it's only by the hand of God that we survive. And it's incredible. Um, as we've studied, began this study in Revelation 1 through 3 and started talking about God's steps and God's plan for us, not just individually as a church, I need to uh, make something very clear with you. There have been uh, a couple of questions raised over the last few days about what do I mean? You, you've heard this word or this phrase from me over the past eight months. I very clearly told you just about every week, take the next step. Take the next step. Well, in a discussion with somebody this week, somebody asked me this question. Well, what is the next step? What do you mean by that? Do you mean something specific? Are you talking about a specific action you want us as a church to take or individually? Is there something I'm supposed to be doing that I'm not doing? Uh, yes. The answer to that question is simple. The answer is yes. The answer is yes. Take the next step. Now, what I mean by that is in the journey of life that we take, there's always a next step to be taken. There's always a next step to be taken. Let's do this. Let's everyone bow our heads and let's, ju let's just open in prayer this morning as we get going. Uh, bow your heads with me. Father, I just ask right now, that you would join us and that you would speak into our lives and that you would move this morning. I know our lives are busy and there's a lot going on, but I pray right now in these moments that you would still our hearts and you would slow down our minds and open our eyes to see what you have for us this morning. Father, speak to us as we open your word. Move in our midst. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Taking the next step is difficult. But in the journey of our life, there's always a step that needs to be taken. You can't stand still or the world will pass you by. As a church, the same thing. We have to take a step forward. And that's what we're doing together. Every week, I challenge you to take the next step. Not just in your life individually, but us as a church. What's the next step we need to take to grow and improve? And that's why, why we've launched into this study of Revelation 1 through 3. That's why we've uh, planned these lunches and discussions after lunch about, you know what, what do you want us to do, Lord? How do you want to lead us? And let me remind you that as we go through this study, it's important for us to understand something. In order for us to get the full picture, a deeper understanding of the text... Morning Bible study is a must. You need to engage in Bible study. Now, if you're a Sunday school teacher, if you're a volunteer in our children and youth ministries, get a book and read it. Get a book and read it because that, then, that will help you stay on the same page with us. 
You may complain, I don't have a book. Well, come, to, come here tomorrow and I'll make sure you have one. We will have them in tomorrow to draw a complete application to our present setting in our church. Attendance to the lunch discussion is necessary. All that I'm doing during the morning service, all that I'm doing right now is bridging the gap between the text and your life. That's all the Sunday sermon is. Drawing you toward a deeper relationship with Jesus. The Sunday sermon should never be the meat and potatoes that you depend on for nourishment week to week. Now, I'm not going to hold any punches today, okay? The doors are now closed. The heat isn't blowing that I know of, so if you get hot under the collar, that's conviction. (laughs) Some of you think it's okay just to show up for a Sunday morning service and live the Christian life. Well, let me tell you something, brother. You're wrong. If you want to grow and lead in this church, you got to dig deep. And you got to commit. you got to take the next step. Just showing up at 1030 on Sunday morning is not enough. I'm sorry. But you got to find a way to engage deeper. And that's what we're going through. That's our process that we're discovering this year. And I hate to say that and then say this, but Bering Cross needs you desperately to engage. So it's not just enough to show up at 10.30 every other week or once a month. We need you here every week. We need you in Bible study. We need you serving and volunteering in many areas. Because we can only be who God is preparing for us to be if you're engaged and you're involved. Now last week we introduced this study of Revelation 1-3. through And we looked at the purposes of the church. To glorify God, to make disciples, and to bless our community. After lunch, we discussed our rich history and our current situation as it pertains to these three purposes. Now, hopefully, during the week, you've taken time to digest that study and apply the principles of your life, as well as your role in the life of Bearing Cross. Now, today, we're going to take the next step and discuss Christ's plan for the church. During Bible study, you looked at the church at Ephesus. As you observed the work of the church in Ephesus, you found that they were actively engaged in ministry. They were sound theologically, morally, and ethically, yet they had an issue that needed to be addressed. They had lost their intensity of their first love. They forgot the why behind what they were doing. The church found themselves living a life of routine. Their passion was gone. Their fiery love for Jesus was replaced for a satisfaction to just do things. We don't ever get there, do we? We're never content to just do, are we? Jesus gave three commands to guide the church to a restoration of their first love. Y'all remember them from your study? Remember, repent, and do what you did at first. That's what you studied during Bible study this morning, hopefully. If not... Try to read it later and you'll catch up to us. Now, now that we have an understanding of the purpose of the church and have discussed the situation we find ourselves in right now, the next step for us to take together is to seek to discern God's plan for us. We're on the edge of something incredible. But before we take a step, we have to discern what is God's plan for us. We have to ask the question, God, what step do you want us to take? What direction do you want us to go? We are reminded by the church at Ephesus that the church was not commissioned to just do good things, but do God things. See, our problem, though, today 
is we don't think like God thinks. Would you agree? We don't. Scripture tells us in Isaiah 55, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Jesus told us in Matthew chapter 16 that I will build my church. We're reminded that Christ not only builds His church, He also directs it. So if we're asking God, what's the direction you want us to take? What's the next step you want us to take? We can't discern that in and of ourselves. We have to ask for help. We need to seek God's guidance. We need to let Christ lead us. Colossians chapter 1 tells us, And He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. And He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything He might be preeminent. We heard that last week, didn't we? And we'll touch on that. We hear these words and they confuse us. We'll touch on that word preeminent a little later. But we're reminded that Christ is before all things. Jesus holds everything together and He is the head of the church. So let's look to Jesus for guidance to take the next step. Jesus intends to be actively involved in every aspect of church life. Not only that, but He also will hold us accountable for how we conduct ourselves under His leadership. Did you hear that? Jesus will guide us. Jesus will lead us. But Jesus will also hold us accountable for what we do. Did you know that? As church leaders, we know well that we will be held accountable for what we do. I try to serve every day, not to please you, but to please Jesus. And to do the best I can do every day to honor Christ as Lord. Now, did you know that as a church member, as a believer in this community, you have a responsibility? And you're going to be held accountable for that. No, you don't have to answer to me, your church leadership. But you're going to answer to Jesus one day. And He's going to ask you, what did you do? January the 13th, 2019, what did you do for me? The year of 2018, what did you do for me? How did you serve me? Or did you disappoint me? You see, Jesus had a message for the seven churches. Each congregation was presumably doing what they thought was best. Don't we do that? We get in these ruts or situations where we think, Jesus, I'm doing my, my best. I'm just doing my best. Life is hard. I'm just doing my best. Well, these seven churches thought they were doing their best. However, the key to their success is not feeling good about what is being done. It's not about that feel-good feeling or survival mode. It's about pleasing the risen Christ. We assume that none of these churches intended to displease the Lord. We know. They didn't wake up every day saying, you know what, today I'm going to try to disappoint Jesus. I'm sure you don't do that either, do you? Today, I know I'm a Christian, but I'm going to blow it today. I'm going to make a mistake. You know what, today I'm going to get in an argument with my husband or my wife. Just for the fun of it. We don't do that, do we? These churches didn't wake up every day, you know what, saying, I'm just going to displease our Lord today. No. We can look at them. Each of the churches, the Ephesian Christians, did many things well, but their heart was distracted. Smyrna was trying to show grace and to be inclusive to everyone. In Sardis, Christ saw their works were incomplete. 
In Laodicea with God, it's not just what you do that matters, but it's how you do it. We have to understand something, my friends. Christ doesn't measure success the same way the world does. It's not about beautiful buildings. It's not about burgeoning attendance. It's not about well-planned services. For all intents and purposes, this service this morning is a wash. You understand what I'm saying? Some of you walked in at 10.30 this morning, and because it was so hot, you're not going to listen to the Lord Jesus at all. It's not going to happen. You get it? You follow me? There's distractions all around. And so this is not a well-planned service, so I'm going to write it off. You get me? That's not what it's about, though. These well-planned services that we have week in and week out, when things run smoothly and you don't notice a beat, in reality, they're an abomination to Jesus. Because when we do those to achieve glory in and of ourselves, we'll look at Ben. He did things well this morning, and everything ran smoothly. Are we doing it to glorify us or glorify God? Are we doing it to fulfill the will of the Father, or are we dishonoring Him with our actions? See, we have to ask ourselves that question, and the key to honoring God is not to develop our own plans and then ask God to bless them. We do that, don't we? This is what I want to do, Jesus. This is my plan for my life. Please bless those plans. That's not the answer. God already has a plan for us, my friends. The key is to cry out to God and ask Him to reveal His plan to you. As a church, we have the Holy Spirit present within us. He's in our midst, and He knows the mind of God. That Spirit's role is to guide us into the will of the Father. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2. You can read it on the screen. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love Him. Verse 10, these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand things freely given to us by God. You see, when we trust and believe in Jesus as our Savior, if you call yourself a Christian and you seek to please Jesus in your life, you have that Holy Spirit within you. And we have this battle going on in the world. The question is, which dog are you feeding? Are you listening to the Spirit lead you? He knows the will of the Father, and He's trying to guide us into the right path. My friend, are you listening? Church, are we listening? We realize God would not only tell us what to do if we listened, but if we wait on Him and keep our spiritual eyes open, He will also show us how to do what He asked us to do. Doing things God's way makes all the difference in the world. The question is, are you listening? So this morning, I want to answer a few questions for you. As we seek to take the next step together, as we seek to take the next step as Christians... I'm going to give you a few ways to discern God's plan for your life and for our life as a church. So number one, we're going to start. Number one, it's simple, and all these principles you've heard before, but we're going to put them together. Number one, seek first the kingdom of God. 
As a church, we have to answer this question. To discern God's plan for us as a church, to discern God's plan for your life, you need to wake up in the morning and ask this question. Am I seeking God's kingdom first? Matthew 6, tells us, But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. You see, my friend, Christ did not command us to build our church. He said He would do that on His own, Matthew chapter 16. He told us to make His kingdom the number one priority and focus of our life. There's a big difference between building our church and building God's kingdom. So let me ask you, my friend, as we're walking, as we live, and as we move, are you building your kingdom or are you building God's kingdom? And the decisions you make during the day, are you building your kingdom or are you building God's kingdom? Are you seeking to further your name or God's name? As we plan and as we move and as we move forward as a church, whose kingdom are we seeking to build? Ours or God's? Are we pushing our agenda based on what is best for me? Or are we seeking God's direction in and through our lives? Jesus tells us clearly, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. What's going to further your kingdom, Lord? And everything else is going to take care of itself. How do we discern God's plan for our life? Number one, we need to seek God's kingdom first. Number two, we need to let God direct our steps. You see, there comes a point in our life when we make a decision. You know what, God? It's not about me anymore. It's all about you. So I'm going to follow you. And then we have to answer the next question. What do you want me to do? And we ask God to guide our steps, direct our steps. Each step that we take, God, please guide us. Please direct us. We know these verses well. Proverbs chapter 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your paths straight. Trust in the Lord. Let Him guide you. Let Him direct you. And He will lead you on a good path. We know it, right? But then we do this. We may not blatantly say it, but when we wake up, my guess is you do this on Monday morning. God's given me general principles to live by, but specific actions or steps, He hasn't told me anything. My friend, you're wrong. Don't assume that God will give you merely broad principles and then leave you to figure everything else out on your own. He's going to specifically tell you what to do in and through your life. Isaiah 30, 21 tells us, And your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, This is the way, walk in it, when you turn to the right or when we turn to the left. My friend, when we live our life and we trust to follow Jesus, and we seek His kingdom, and we ask, God, please direct my steps today. Tell me what to do today, Lord. We kind of turn our ears off. And we kind of start making our own decisions, don't we? Well, this is what I need to do. This is what I think is best for me to do. When all the while, Jesus is whispering in our ears, this is what you should do. And we hear that still, small voice throughout the day, don't we? And we turn it off. We struggle to listen to it. He's there, walking with us 
indwelling our lives. And we must learn to trust that divine voice whispering instructions over our shoulder. There's so many times in our life when we have questions and we ask this question. We say, God, I'm going to trust in you. I'm going to seek your kingdom. God, direct my steps. And then we say, God, what do you want me to do? And as a church, we're going to ask this question. As a church, what do you want us to do? What do you want Baron Cross to do? And nine times out of ten, the answer is sitting right in front of us. And he's whispering in our ear, this is what I want you to do. And we don't even listen. We think, well, this is the way it's supposed to happen. This is the way other people do it. Well, this is what my grandma said. When all the while, Jesus is telling us, this is what I want you to do. And we ignore it. You ever had one of those divine appointments? Those moments when God impresses on your heart to go talk to somebody and you don't do it? And then maybe later that evening it kind of hits you when you're laying in bed. Oh, Jesus, you wanted me to do this today. And I just didn't do it. He's right there with us. And we just need to let him guide us. Let him direct our steps. Number one, we need to seek God's kingdom. Number two, we need to let him direct our steps. Number three, as we let him direct us and let him guide us, and as we listen to him, we have a choice to make. We have a choice to make. Are we going to give ourselves away or not? Number three, we have to give ourselves away. This is what I mean, and here's the scripture I want to share. Matthew 16, 25, then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. You see, as we seek God's kingdom in our lives and in the life of our church, we get to a point where we ask God, God, guide us, God, direct us, God, tell us what to do. And then we hear that instruction and we have a choice to make. Are we going to do it? Or are we not? Are we going to further our kingdom? Are we going to give ourselves away? Or are we going to trust in you? We have that choice to make every day. The truth is, you can rarely afford to obey what God asks because He wants you to rely on His provision. The question is not, my friend, can we afford to obey? God ever told you to do something, you thought, that doesn't make any sense. That's not the way the world works, God. The question is not, can I afford to obey? The crucial question, church, is can we afford not to obey? When we step out in faith, He is always faithful to provide for what we lack. He is always there. He is always with us. And He's telling us, this is what I want you to do. And even if it doesn't make sense, do it. And I'm going to provide. I'm going to provide everything you need. Everything that you lack. It's not about me. It's about you, Jesus. We have to make that decision every day. Am I going to seek after self-preservation? Or am I going to give myself away and seek to please Jesus today? That's the question we have to make. Am I want to further your kingdom or my kingdom? And number four, 
in order to discern God's plan for us, not just individually, but as a church, we have got to love one another. John 15, 12 tells us, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. It goes all the way back to the Shema in Deuteronomy. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. This is what you're to teach to your children. This is what you're to literally impress upon them to love God and love others. I don't know if you've heard this debate about a prominent pastor who has said, you know what, let's throw away the Ten Commandments. Let's be careful about these accusations, okay? The point is, it's about Jesus. And we can try to follow all 613 laws in the Old Testament, or we can follow the command that Jesus gave us. Is what? The greatest commandment. Love God and love others. Love God and love others. My friend, if you have hatred in your heart, you're not going to like to hear this. Loving your brother is not an option, my friend. It's a command. Loving others provides compelling proof that you belong to Jesus. Church, the fastest way for us to experience revival in our lives and in our church, in our community, is when we return to a love relationship with Jesus and with one another. We see that in that church at Ephesus. Do we love each other? Do we display that love for each other, willing to do whatever it takes to love God and love others? We want to discern God's will for us. What's God's plan for our church? Before we even think about that, we need to seek His kingdom. Right? We need to let God guide our steps and direct us. We need to give ourselves away. We need to set our agenda and our ways aside and say, God, what do you want us to do? Not what do you want me to do. What's best for me, but what's, God, what's best for you? And as we do that, we need to love each other because we can't let that hatred or jealousy or envy rule the day. When we seek God's plan and provision for our lives, when we ask God to guide our steps, we've got to put ourselves aside. We've got to love each other and let God guide us. If we place our plans, church, if we place our building, our budget, our programs, our preferences on the altar, Christ will take this church and use it mightily for His purposes. We've got to put it all aside and give it all to Him. Our task, my friends, is to be obedient in selflessly loving one another and seeking after His kingdom as He directs our steps. Now, as we close, I want to go somewhere else. And here's what I want to do this morning. We're going to have lunch, and then we're going to come back. We're going to gather back together quickly. So let's eat, and let's get back together so we don't tarry all day. But before we can do that, and before we can talk about what God's plan for our church is and what God's plan for our lives is, we've got to get something right first. Because I need to ask you this question. Are you getting in the way of us taking the next step together? Bearing cross is in a new day. And we are launching forward into the future. Are you in the way? That's my question. 
Well, you don't like that, do you? Are you in the way? Now, we desperately need you on board. And we need you engaged and involved because this next step that we're going to take is incredible. And as we do that as a church, we need everyone on the same page and ready to roll, right? So we're going to take care of a few things this morning. During invitation, we're going to do things a little different. And I'm going to ask you to do something a little different, but it's going to be okay. All right, just take a deep breath. I'm not sweating. Hopefully you're not sweating. If you are, it's the Spirit. But God is good. Let me read this to you, okay? Our staff has started reading through Scripture together. And we're, going to, we're getting together every week and we're talking about it. And as we read, I read a passage that I read all the time. I've read so many times in the past. But the, there's one verse that jumped off the page at me and I cannot... If you were here midweek, you heard it and you're going to hear it again. Sorry. But I can't say it enough. Now, y'all know the story of the Tower of Babel, right? And how they messed up, didn't they? They gathered into one group when God told them to multiply and fill the earth. They were unified in one purpose, and they built a tower to the heavens. And when they did that, God came down among them to look and see what they were doing. And this is what he said. Genesis eleven six, And the Lord said... Behold, they are one people, and they have all one language, and this is only the beginning of what they will do, and nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Now, we see that condemnation based on what they were doing, right? And what did God do after this? He confused their languages, and they scattered, and they they stopped building the city. They were building a city to honor themselves because they were trying to make a name for themselves. But this is what jumped off the page for me. The Lord came down and looked at them, and he noted one thing. He found a group of people that were unified under a purpose. Right? They were all unified under one purpose. And he made a comment, and his comment was, Nothing that they propose will be impossible for them. We learn here from the mistakes that they made that if people will come together with one purpose and one goal, they can do anything. Anything. Now, this is a people that were straying from God's word and God's will. Just imagine if a people came together unified under one purpose and you added God's power, what could they do? What could they do? And he says this, Genesis 11, at the beginning, It is only the beginning of what they can do. My friend, this screamed off the page. Very clearly said, you know what? Derek, there is this church in Sherwood that is seeking to honor me and trust in me and seek my guidance for the next step. And if these people will come together under my name, 
trusting in me for guidance and leadership. And they use my power to seek to glorify me in this community. There is nothing that they cannot do. Nothing will be impossible for these people. If they would only humble themselves and fall before me and trust in me for guidance, and my power will rule among them and they will do great things for me to further my kingdom here on earth. My friend, this church can do anything with God's power. But the only way that's going to happen is if we're together, we're unified under one purpose, to further His kingdom together. So here's my question. Are you ready for that? We're going to take two steps during this invitation. And here, I want Preston and Ben to come on up. Instrumentalists can come on up. And I want, to do, I want to do two things this morning for a time of invitation. I want you to examine your heart, and I want you to ask this question, am I ready to take the next step? Am I ready? And so for the first part of this invitation, I want you to get yourself right with God. And if you have some sin or issues you need to deal with, we're going to be up front, and I know you guys have relationships with these two men, and they would love to pray with you. So I want you to come talk to them if you have some things that you need to get right with Jesus. Because the next step is we're going to make sure we're right with each other. Because in, in order for us to do great things, fulfill God's plan for this church, we've got to be ready to roll. Now, I'm not aware of any issues that we have, but we're on the edge of something incredible. So in order for us to take that next step and let God derive direct our steps, we've got to make sure we're ready to go. So as the music plays and as you stand, I want you to ask this question, God, what do you want me to do? Is there something I need to get rid of in my life in order to focus fully on you and trust in you? And we're going to spend a few minutes on that. If you need to pray at your chair, if you need to come pray up front, I encourage you to do that as the music plays.